Hello and welcome to the Fellow Cast. This is the Bring Your Own Bible series in which we run through or walk through uh, the story time Bible study series adapted for this uh, podcast series specifically. And in this episode, Pastor Garth is still going along the lines of the genealogies and he will be discussing the fourth big genealogy in the Bible coming from the book of Chronicles and it goes over nine chapters. This is a really good one and it gives us some perspective of what it means to look back but also to look forward in in our walk with Jesus. Yes, Valdi, thank you man. We're still speaking about genealogies and today we're speaking about the longest genealogy in the Bible, um, altogether nine chapters. And it's a fascinating genealogy in so many instances. But um, just like we spoke about Genesis genealogy, understanding when it was written to who it was originally written, um, it makes a big difference in Chronicles again. If you understand, all right, but when is it written? It's after the captivity of Israel. Um, So while the books uh, of 1 and 2 Samuel and 1 and 2 Kings were sort of recorded while the history was taking place, um, the book of Chronicles was recorded way after it took place. Um, So it's a looking back onto everything that has happened um, there in the in the beginning. So, to give you some perspective, uh, we believe Ezra wrote the book of Chronicles, and he, um, if you start reading at the beginning of the book of Ezra, you see that it's exactly the same words as at the end of the book of two Chronicles. So, in fact, from one, one Chronicles all the way through to the book of Ezra is actually one long book. Um, that we actually have as three books. Um, So Ezra wrote the history for us. Um, Most of your commentators will agree with that, which means uh, he wrote it about, um, it's about uh, 450 years before Jesus, just after the captivity, which means he starts off writing 300 years after the fall of Israel to the Assyrians. And it's about 50 years after the return, after the exile uh, of Judah to the Babylonians. So that's sort of where the history is written down. And he gives us around about um, 700 years of history then that he records. But with a genealogy all the way back to Adam, that's where it starts off in the first verses of Chronicles. It actually gives us about um, 2,600 years of history. So it really is fascinating in that perspective that you think how far this guy is looking back. But again, you have to ask yourself, why is he writing a genealogy with so many names, so many details, a real slog to read through for most of us? You agree? (laughs) Uh, Why is he doing that? Um, Well, it's because the people have uh, gone through such a terrible time. The uh, people of Judah, their brothers up in the north, they're in exile a couple of hundred years now. And they see the Babylonians coming towards them. Um, and eventually the Babylonians take over the entire country. Uh, by the time that Jerusalem stands, it's literally last man standing. Um, and then they break down the walls of Jerusalem. Uh, they break down the temple. And they take all the leaders, uh, everybody who's got a business, who really can run something, everybody that's educated. They take all of those guys off to Babylon. So here's a people completely broken down, completely broken down. And after they come back from exile, not all of them come back. Um, many of the people, like the prophet said, settled down in Babylon and the surrounding areas, had their families, started businesses. 
So only some of them started coming back. And then they have to find their identity again. And that is exactly where the genealogy kicks off. You know, this whole thing of coming back to your roots, uh, the world uses the phrase often. But listen, the scriptures says a lot of it. It demonstrates it. It's saying, hey, it's really important to know where you come from. If you, know, if you want to know who you are, start looking back. What's my history? Where do I come from? And that gives me an understanding of where I'm standing now so that I can start looking at where God wants to take me. It's not, it's not to say that defines who I am, but it gives me some understanding of why I am the way I am and wh how I got to be yeah. where I am now. It's kind of like an inheritance, knowing your inheritance. Yes. I mean, we spoke about that uh, uh, last night, about the whole thing in Ephesians, where, where Paul writes in First Ephesians, we need to know where our inheritance is, who we are in. Yes. And I guess it's the same. It's already starting here in the, in the Old Testament, where yeah. he reminds them, like you say, this is where you've come from, and this is still the promises where you're going, right? Yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. So think about it that way. If he's saying to these people who's been in captivity... All right, let's look at who you are. Verse 1, Adam, Seth, Enosh, Kenan. Um, think of the power of that statement. You're speaking about a people who's been conquered, and by grace, through prophecy, God said it's going to happen. Uh, okay, go back, rebuild the temple back in the land. And here they are, they have to find their feet again among neighbors who really despise them. They don't want them there. They keep making it hard for them, as we see in Ezra and in Nehemiah. Um, Think about the power of making this statement. Who are you? Adam, there was a man who God created in his own image. Let's take it from there. And that's where you come from. It, it's just so powerful for any one of us just to start with that realization. I was made in the image of God. That's the original plan. And from there on, the story brought me to where I am now. So what is the plan still? God never changes his mind. He's going to bring me back to that, to Christ-likeness, being in the image of God. All right. So that's where Chronicles starts off with genealogy then, um, 2,600 years before, roundabout. So that's actually what we looked at at Genesis chapter 5. He's retaking that territory from Adam to Noah. From Noah then, the Genesis chapter 10 story that we spoke about last week. Um, Noah's son. Shem, Ham, Japheth. He unpacks that whole thing. And that's the rest of the chapter 1. Um, then he's starting to look uh, in chapter Genesis chapter 12, actually. Abraham's history. Um, the sons of Abraham. Isaac, Jacob, all of them. So now he's following that line that will bring us to the nation of Israel. Jacob becomes Israel. But in between, he takes interesting detours. He also looks at the neighbors that used to be around Israel. Uh, which is by that time when he's writing, they're not there anymore. So that's Esau, uh, the whole city of Petra, cut out of a rock, that kind of thing. Um, and chapter 2, and gets more specific, the tribes of Israel. He's looking at Jacob's family, which is his sons with uh, four wives. Turns out to be the tribes of Israel. That's Judah, um, Issachar, Naphtali, all of those guys. And then he packs that out in detail. And again, he makes funny stops because he looks at Caleb, which previously we haven't seen in a genealogy before. But why is that important for the people of Israel for now? Um, it's important because they need, to be they need to remember who were the guys that were allowed 
to come into the land. Joshua and Caleb, right? They're the only guys that survived this whole trip through the desert. And God says, by faith, you will enter. So he's making these stops for a very definite purpose, reminding them of particular people in their history line that were honored by God and were blessed. In chapter 3 then, that's going to set us off for the rest of the book because now he's making a long stop with David's line. Okay, that's the king of Israel uh, and the king later of Judah as the nation splits up. Um, He looks at the kings of Judah, unpacking them all the way in chapter 3 from verse 10 to 16. And then interesting enough, from verse 17, he says, this is the royal line after the exile. And um, that history, if we start reading it then in the book of um, Nehemiah and in Ezra, we see, oh, okay, the royal line still has a big influence. Even though they're no longer royal, they're no longer kings of Israel because they're still under the Babylonians and whoever comes after them, um, those are still the leaders that God uses. And the prophet still speaks to Jehoiachan. He's the guy that says, hey, you're going to continue the line. Then going on to chapter 4, he um, makes a more detailed look at Judah and some of the other tribes because some of those guys all came back into the land. So now he's coming to a point of saying, oh, this is your grandfather. He lived over here. And this is how he came to be over here through that father of his. In other words, it's becoming more personal. By this time, the people who came back into the land would have been able to trace back and say, ah, oh, my opa. Ah. <laughs> so it's becoming much more personal for them. Oh, these guys lived here, here where I'm coming to live again. And they're finding their space in the story. And um, at the end of chapter 5, he makes a quick stop with Manasseh, the half-tribe of Manasseh, who um, was on the other side of the Jordan River. And this refrain we're going to see throughout the book as well, because he says, but they were unfaithful to God, and therefore they were taken into captivity. Because they were the first guys to go, even before the north were taken. The Transjordan tribes were taken out already. In chapter 6, he starts speaking about the tribes of Levi. So these are the priests. And they're about to rebuild the temple. That's why Ezra came back. That's why he's there. So over here again, he spends a lot of time. He goes back to the time of David and he says, look at the musicians. These were the musicians who used to sing in this temple. So again, imagine, Valdi, you one of those guys who's starting to build on the temple. It's a tough job. It's a really hard job. And you told the stories of the musicians who used to sing in this place with, that you're rebuilding. Yeah, it instills some kind of purpose in, into what you're doing. Vision. Yeah, yeah we're going to do that again. Yeah. There's again going to be musicians praising God yeah. in this place. You know, And in many ways, it's testimony. And our testimony is something that yes. recharges and that builds faith again for what's to come. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It stirs faith again, yeah. yeah. Um, so now we come to the end of the story um, because in the rest of the chapters, he's just stopping at every tribe saying, oh, Ephraim, these were the guys who were around here. Um, uh, Issachar, Asher, these were the guys who lived around here. Um, and then suddenly in chapter 8, it makes a turn because we've looked at the tribes of David and who was ignored? The first king of Israel, Saul. Yeah right he's not even mentioned up until now and then in chapter 8 he makes a stop with Saul and he says this is the genealogy of Saul um, by 
the next chapter, he just makes a turn again. Uh, and he says, the people of Jerusalem that returned after the fall. And then it repeats at the end of that next chapter, the genealogy of Saul, because now it's going to start off the story. Why is mm. he doing that? He's quickly recapping the genealogy of Saul, and it ends with the start of chapter 1, which naturally in the flow without chapter, chapter breaks would have just continued on mm. with the story. And it says, but Saul committed suicide. Sure. The Philistines, there was this big battle, and he committed suicide, and his son, the runner up to the throne, Jonathan, also died. And that's the last we ever hear of Saul. Mm. So think about how powerful that is if you consider that the book of 1 Samuel contains the story of King Saul. His life, yeah. And then going over to 2 Samuel, the death of Saul into David's story. None of that is ever mentioned in the book of Chronicles. Wow. So that's how looking back from that distance of history changes your view because for them, looking back, the story of Saul didn't mean anything. It's failed, yeah. Yes, because the story of David, mm. he was the royal line that all the way through were weaved into the story. Those were the kings that sat on the throne. Mm. And those are the kings that are promised will eternally sit on the throne of Israel. Yeah, sure. Just a thought. I, I don't know if I'm taking it a bit fo too far. You can say if I am. But just in, in that sense where you say, you know, the history kind of becomes not insignificant, but it doesn't carry the same weight as the the kind of successful history of da David that yes. you look upon. And, and I, I like kind of finding the contrast to Jesus yeah. where our history becomes insignificant, our history of sin. Yeah. When Jesus is king of our lives. I don't know if that's... Absolutely. I would take it a step further maybe, you know, because if I consider that um, where's my roots now, mm. I'm a child of the living God. You mentioned Ephesians. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. Yes. Okay? He's now the royal line that I got grafted into. Mm. So if I look back on the history of my life, before I gave my life to the Lord, I would be like a Saul, mm. a man of the flesh, yeah. a guy who is a head taller than everybody, quite successful, looks very significant, the first king of Israel. Hoo-hoo, I call the shots. But that fails in itself. It cannot contain. You know, yeah. I, I cannot uh, go into eternity with that story. And it's interesting stories, and it maybe had an impact on my life, but the more I walk with Christ, the longer I walk with Him, the more insignificant yeah. that part of my life Absolutely. becomes. Uh, because that's not going to take me into eternity, yeah. uh, like the royal line of David. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Now, there really is a big lesson for us in that. Mm. Um, and that's the whole, the whole genealogy. So from here on out, He's now set the scene to say, all right, now you know where you come from. You know our roots. You see, all right, you are also recorded. You came back into the land. So let me tell you the story of those kings of old, starting then with David. Um, so it's a powerful genealogy, really, really powerful, considering that it takes us all the way from Adam to after the exile in order to tell a history. So yeah, it's, it, it, we can t draw so much for ourselves out of that, how important it is to look back, but then worth looking back to say, all right, with that view, let's move forward.